Years ago, H.G. Wells visualized roads such as these in his science fiction fantasies. And today they're a reality. You're listening to The Afternoon Commute. Welcome to the Afternoon Commute with Chris Kendall and John Adams. Today is September 7th, 2017. If you'd like to hear previous episodes of the Afternoon Commute, go to hoaxbusterscall.com and you'll see those posted up there alongside the most recent episode of Chris's Monday Night Broadcast, the original Hoaxbusters Call. Also posted up there are various articles and videos. Some of those are original in nature, so make sure you check those out. For any and all things Hoaxbusters, go to hoaxbusterscall.com today. Mr. Kendall, how are you doing today, sir? Oh, I'm doing well. Just getting ready for the uh, big EMP blast, and well, got my storable shoes and my uh, enfiladas. It's good. It's good. Make sure you've got your um, uh, Doctor Bill Duck uh, magic pills on hand because and there won't be any, ph- the, the there won't handy, be any pharmacies. That's right. And then you have your handy home guide to home surgery in case anything that's comes right. up. That true. That that is true. Drbillduck.com, folks. Doctor Bill Duck. Which we we don't endorse any of his products, by the way. No, we don't. So, what do we got going on? Well, I watched the Red Pill the other day, and I know you did as well. That's correct. Yes. And I, I know you did as well. <coughs> yes, I did. And that is an interesting uh, subject. And this is a movie that's recently come out about the men's rights movement. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an interesting subject. And it's also interesting, kind of synchronistic, I guess, uh, that once again, as uh, I brought up on Monday, is I found a copy of this book called The Turning Point, Science, Society, and the Rising Culture by Frithoff Capra. And so one of the – so Mr. Capra here is – he is a um, theoretical physicist. Uh, he received his PhD from the University of Vienna and has done research in high energy physics at several European and American universities. In addition to his many technical research papers, Dr. Capra has written and lectured extensively about the philosophical implications of modern science. He's the author of The Tao of Physics, an international bestseller that has sold half a million copies has been translated into a dozen languages. Now, Mr. Capra has must have had a crystal ball back in 1982. Um, once again, this book is speaking on an esoteric level as well as a level kind of um, just put out for the masses. It is a book published by Simon Schuster, Simon and Schuster. So that's a you know mass consumption publisher. There. Here's what he says on page four fifteen, and this is going to have to do. Uh, this is leading into my talk about Chris and I talking about this movie, The Red Pill. Uh, 
The spiritual essence of the ecological vision seems to find its ideal expression in the feminist spirituality advocated by the women's movement, as would be expected from the natural kinship between feminism and ecology rooted in the age-old identification of women and nature. Feminist spirituality is based on awareness of the oneness of all living forms and of their cyclical rhythms of birth and death, thus reflecting an attitude towards life that is profoundly ecological. As numerous feminist authors have recently pointed out, the image of female de- the image of the female deity seems to embody this kind of spirituality more accurately than that of a male god. Indeed, worship of the goddess predates that of male deities in many cultures, including our own, and may also have been closely connected with the nature mysticism of the ancient Taoist tradition. Now, I'm going to stop right here and point out in the age of Isis. Are we not? We're in the age of Isis. Okay. Okay. Or yeah. Isis is, Isis is everywhere, right? Everywhere. Absolutely got, everyone. You got Isis in the in NASA, you know, in the uh, ISS, right? You got the IRS is Iris, which is ISIS. You've oh, yeah. got ISIS is the terrorist organ organization that allegedly exists, um, so on and so forth. We got ISIS everywhere. So he's saying that this is you know the worship of the goddess is basically at hand here. And what I was saying before when talking about this book, as above, so below. What happens in the sky is also going to happen here physically in this world. So now we're seeing this rise of the of the third and fourth wave feminism. Well, you also, too, have these, okay, they had Wonder Woman come out, but that's just one film. Now, this is, uh, we talked, of course, we brought this up before, how, like, uh, movies, television shows are showcasing, like, the woman in a man's role as the... Uh, mm-hmm. Super soldier hero flies yes. through the air, scissor kicks you in a headlock, and jams your head to the floor. And uh, she's only like a third of your weight, but still can. Yeah, it's just every uh, violation of the laws of physics imaginable, but it's mm-hmm. women empowered, I guess. That's right. And um, this is an interesting part right here. He says, According, according to Beatrice Bruteau, different images of the divine can be seen as reflecting different solutions to the fundamental metaphysical problem of the one and the many. The male god typically represents the one that can exist alone, independent and absolute, while the many exists only by the will of God, dependent and relative. In human society, such a situation is exemplified by the conventional father-child relationship. Fatherhood, as Breteau points out, is a characterized is characterized by separation. The father is at no time physically united with the child, and the relationship tends to be one of confrontation and conditional love. When this image of the father is applied to God, it naturally evokes the notions of obedience, loyalty, and faith, and often includes some image of challenge with subsequent reward or punishment. The image of the goddess, on the other hand, according to Berteau, represents a solution to the one-many problem in terms of union and mutual embodiment, 
with the one manifest in the many and the many dwelling within the one. And such a relationship of union, which is not imposed or attained, but is organically given, there is no sense of opposition between God and the world. The, their relationship is characterized by harmony, warmth, and affection rather than challenge and drama. Such an image is clearly maternal, reflecting the mother's unconditional love, mother and child being physically united, participating in life together. With renaissance of the goddess image, the feminist movement is also creating a new self-image for women along with the new modes of thinking and a new system of values. Thus, feminist spirituality will have a profound influence not only on religion and philosophy, but also on our social and political life. One of the most radical contributions men can make to developing our collective feminist awareness will be to get fully involved in raising our children from the moment of birth so that they can grow up with the experience of the full human potential. Remember that word, human potential. Mm -hmm. Inherent in women and men. John Lennon, always a step of ahead of his time, did just this during the last five years of his life. While men will become more active as fathers, the full participation of women in all areas of public life, which will undoubtedly be achieved in the future, is bound to bring about far-reaching changes in our attitudes and our behavior. Thus, the feminist movement will continue to assert itself as one of the strongest cultural currents of our time. Its ultimate aim is nothing less than a thorough redefinition of human nature, which will have the most profound effect on the further evolution of our culture. Hmm. That's a pretty profound statement right there. So he wrote this in 1982. Now, it's interesting it's being written in 1982 because... What he's basically saying is that the women's movement of the 60s and 70s was not fully um, – had not fully arrived. He's basically talking about the future, saying like, no, 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 you know, th this thing has yet to work itself out into reality. Well, because how does he know this, John? Because isn't it just some grassroots movement that comes from just the uh, <laughs> sentiment from the people and – how does he how does he know all this? It's just well, you know. this this is a, an interesting thing that he brings about right here in this next part. OK, and I want everybody to remember this and I want everybody to remember that. Two, three years ago, when we started doing these calls, Chris and I pointed out that these white nationalist movements and the Black Lives Matter and the whole, you know, all of these clashing groups, the Trump, the Hillary, the male, the female, the right, the left, the red, the blue, all of this was being stirred up on purpose. It didn't manufacture itself into reality by way of grassroots. It was all – it's all been kicked up. It's all been worked up in the, in the media and in the government and in the intelligence agencies and in the secret societies. Okay, This is not something that just came about out of nowhere. Coordinated. Coordinated, absolutely. Now listen to this. Conventional stereotypic images of human nature are challenged today not only by the women's movement, 
but also by a great number of ethnic liberation movements in revolt against the oppression of minorities through ethnic prejudices and racism. Their protest is amplified by the struggle of several other kinds of minorities, homosexuals, old people, single parents, the physically handicapped, and many more who have been stigmatized by rigidly assigned social roles and identities. The roots of these protests lie in the 1960s, the decade that saw the simultaneous emergence of several powerful social movements, all of which began to question authority. While civil rights leaders demanded that black citizens be included in the political process, the free speech movement demanded the same for students. At the same time, the women's movement questioned patriarchal authority and humanistic psychologists undermined the authority of doctors and therapists. Today, a similar questioning of authority is being initiated at the global level as third world countries challenge the conventional notion that they are less developed than industrialized countries. An increased number of their leaders now perceive the multifaceted crisis of the Northern Hemisphere with a great clarity and are resisting the industrialized world attempt to export its problems to the Southern. Some third world leaders are discussing how the countries of the Southern Hemisphere might decouple themselves and develop their own indigenous technologies and economic patterns. Others have proposed shifting the definition of development from the development of industrial production and distribution of material goods to the development of human beings. Because feminine, be, I'm sorry, because feminism is such a major force in our cultural transformation, especially in North America and Europe, it is likely that the women's movement will play a pivotal role in the coalesce, coalescence of various social movements. Indeed, it may well become the catalyst that will allow the various movements to flow together. Mm. Today, many of these, today, many of these movements still operate separately without perceiving how their purposes interrelate. But several significant coalitions have recently begun to form. Not surprisingly, women are playing important roles in contacts among environmental groups, consumer groups, ethnic liberation movements, and feminist organizations. Now, this lady is a total crackpot. Um, I don't even know if she's a crackpot. She might just be a, a lifetime actor, disinfo agent. Helen Caldicott, you know who Helen Caldicott is? Sounds familiar. She's the lady who pushes, you know, the nuke fear. Oh, yeah, right. We talked about her before. Mm-hmm. The so, new, new anti-nuke protests and shit, right? Yeah. So it says, Helen Caldicott, who has helped to provide the anti-nuclear movement with a sound scientific basis, as well as a sense of urgency and compassion, and Hazel Henderson, who is, who's has lucidly analyzed the shortcomings of the Cartesian framework in current economic thinking are examples of women in leadership positions who are forging valuable coalitions. The new alliances and coalitions, which already interlink hundreds of groups and networks, that's interesting right there in and of itself. I bet they're all linked through the Rockefeller and Ford Foundation and, you know, especially at the time of this book when, you know, George Soros wasn't around yet. It was... um mainly Annenberg, Rockefeller, MacArthur, all those, you know, all those foundations. Um, 
The new alliances and coalitions, which already interlink hundreds of groups and networks, aim to be non-hierarchical, non-bureaucratic, and non-violent. Some of them function very effectively around the world. Um, and, then it's, the, and then it goes, an example of such worldwide coalition is Amnesty International's great campaign for human rights. Yeah. Mm. Um, anyways, it, it goes goes on and on. And um, we'll definitely touch on this book uh, much more um, in the future. But so, so feminism brought about this. Uh, I, I would say that that's an interesting thing. Now, now first of all, let's... Let's bring this up right away. Feminism is anti-female. It's in, not just in 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 its uh, essence. Yes, mm-hmm. it's not. And, and I, I want to get this out of the way. We've we've talked about this before. I would actually say this is not an anti-male campaign. This is all actually anti-female, because the female, as we've talked about before, she has something. Now, I don't believe that one sex is better than the other. I don't believe that the male is more powerful than the female, and I don't believe that the female is more powerful than the male. I believe that they're complementary. I know you believe this too, Chris, but – and I, I don't just believe it. It's it's a fact. It's an undeniable fact. Here's, like an, here's the other – An appeal to objective reality? That's, that's kind of where I'm coming <laughs> yeah. from. Well, here's the thing though. The one aspect that the female has, which would make her the ultimate target, is the power of birth. Yeah. And that, if you go, if you correlate this with all of the other information out there, that all of these foundations, all of these um, institutions, academia, everybody hates birth. They hate birth. They don't want birth disgusting it's this is an anti-life world an anti-life system and it's all aimed at population reduction population control everything is about population so this is anti-woman anti-female i'm not saying this from a perspective of um a right to life activist or a um, or a you know religious nut I'm saying plain and simple women are the target they're they they're the ones uh, whose lives they really want to destroy and and by way of the male too because by not having by having weak males and you know not having strong males and not having men who are worthy of being married to or you know, men who are disinterested in marriage altogether, that by way destroys the possibility of women getting pregnant and uh, having healthy relationships. And I'm not going to digress off into that area of it. Uh, Lennon Honor talks about this stuff really well, um, coming from mm-hmm. that he's like a father of six or something like that. So he's definitely fighting the system in that regard with by having lots of children. And, um, and I would say that when you've got a women's movement that is anti-female, and now we're seeing this men's movement that just – Chris and I were just talking about this yesterday. 
that this men's movement just happened to start to pop up right around the same time all this white nationalist stuff did. And you can watch that Red Pill movie, and I'd say that I agreed probably 98% of that entire movie I agreed with across the board. Yeah, because they're just pointing out some things in the system that are uh, talked about this before. Yeah, that are obvious. And, and they, they actually brought up things that, that you've discussed, you know, years ago. Yeah, yeah, right. And then, you know, kind of go into the how the courts are set up and and um, OK, always too like to examine this stuff as it's presented with this in mind is that. Oh, so we live in this quote unquote democracy where we elect these representatives and they do they're influenced by the the, the will of the people to implement policies. Now, how the hell does this end up uh, with the courts heavily siding toward women when they only represent like half the voting population. You see what I'm saying? Like none mm -hmm. of this, none of this makes sense within the con within the framework of we live in any kind of democracy where the average person influences the decisions of legislators that uh, affect the courts and then end up where it's like just so heavily slanted toward the woman in any kind of dispute. It's obviously set up to put all the economic power and all the uh, power behind the courts and everything and and to hand it to women just like they do you can see this with these unesco programs and stuff like that they'll they have these like micro loan programs that they'll loan mm -hmm. to people to start businesses in third world countries and stuff they will not give these to men only to women and it's like, mm -hmm. why? Well, it's because it's social engineering and it's to break down the cohesiveness of uh, any, any natural family unit that would arise. It's, 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 um, it's anthropo anthropological warfare is what it is. That's right. Weaponized anthropology. <clears throat> Weaponized MD. anthropology. And, and the interesting part about that is that so – you know, if you're watching this movie, um, I just don't. I, I don't like the one thing I don't like. Like you're like you're pointing out is this is kind of based off of um, something that you pointed out for many years and that we've discussed uh, together as well. Is that it's coming from this foundation that you know at one time it wasn't so screwed up. It's like there was this really good thing that, like, you know, at, at one time, and then somewhere along the line, some liberals and feminists came along and screwed it all up, right? Yeah, they took it too far and made it too radical. It was it was good starting out. It was it was originally all about just women getting a fair shake, and now it's taken to the extreme. Right? That's the story. That's the narrative <laughs> you're told. It also this it also hints it also suggests that in this particular documentary as well. Yeah, and another another interesting thing that if they wanted to, I'm you know one of the produ you know uh, I was talking about how one of the producers is this guy Mike Cernovich, this um, guy who fills in for Alex Jones sometimes, and he, you know he's one of these uh, uh, you know, he's a podcaster of some sort and. You know, he's the gung ho um, male male rights activist type 
um, he's one of these producers, kind of got a shady background, I'd say. Um, so they didn't put this in the in this film, and and I would want to point out that they didn't make any reference to any intelligence agencies running the running the uh, movements. Like uh, Gloria Steinem admitting that she were, was working for the CIA. Miss Magazine well, was a was a CIA creation. Well, that would have been a great addition to the film, don't you think? I yeah, very relevant, extremely relevant. You know, it's like the uh, I, I like listening to Yon Irving. He brings this up a lot. It's just like the the trivium, the the you know the, the elements of discovering truth: the who, what, when, where, why, and how. It's like you. Anytime you see a documentary, there, there, there should be a, a sort of like a, a, a fallback to um, going through those six uh, components of, and it, but see, you don't get to the where, you don't get to the who, you don't get to the why. It's almost like these movements sort of materialize, and then they're. Um, you have this one and here's another thing too it's like these vocal minorities can gain so much sway over the culture and political power this is absurd um so if there was any truth to that then obviously like the pro-life movement would have more influence because their numbers are higher they're vocal they're organized they're active do they have have they had any real effective chain uh influence as far as uh, abortions or anything like that or um you know rolling back that legislation or anything or uh, roe versus what no no absolutely not they don't have influence they don't have power but they represent a large active contingent of people that are politically active yet they have no political power but these fringe feminist uh shrill loud they go out well they uh you know they they turn on the uh fire alarm at uh, conferences that are you know men's rights con- you know talking so but they have all this political influence and not only that over the media over institutions over you know google's on board with it twitter's on board with it all your major Social media platforms are on board with this uh, social justice, cultural Marxist ideas for some reason. And this is all from these small, vocal, political uh, organizations. It's just absurd. That's true. Let me, let me read this real quick. I have this book here. Um, I recommend if anybody's interested, they get a copy of this book. It's called The Color of Truth, McGeorge and William Bundy, Brothers in Arms. Okay? Now, if anybody doesn't know who the Bundy brothers were, they were uh, skull and bones guys uh, in multiple – they worked for – they were CIA, uh, OSS, and then they ended up being in the – what, Johnson and – Kennedy and Johnson administrations. Uh Um, Then McGeorge Bundy ended up being the head of the Ford Foundation. Interestingly enough, he went from CIA to Johnson administration to the head of the Ford Foundation. Um, You know, it's normal. Um, Yeah, of course. 
here's what it says on page 380. The first summer at the Ford Foundation, Bundy studied the problem of race by reading numerous books and talking to black leaders. He invited them individually to his home for Sunday brunches and small groups for dinner at the exclusive Century Club. Some of these dinners stretched late into the night, with Bundy provoking the assembled men to speak their minds. By the summer of 66, the civil rights movement was already splintering between advocates of integration and nonviolence, led by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and a younger group of black power advocates who argued that the economic and political power for the black community was more important than the goal of true integrated society. The new chairman of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, Stokely Carmichael, had popularized the term in an angry speech earlier that summer, perhaps to demonstrate that he was not unaware of these trends, Bundy made a point in his August 2nd speech at the National Urban League to mention black power. Though he coyly looked up from his text and admitted that he didn't wholly understand the term. To the consternation of many of Bundy's own friends, he would soon involve himself and the foundation in the thicket of black power politics. Initially, Bundy quickly approved major grants to such long-established civil rights organization as the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, the Urban League, and Martin Luther King's own Southern Christian Leadership Conference. Culturally and historically middle class, all of these groups were integrationists and committed to nonviolence. Even so, Bundy fully understood the political consequences of giving Ford money to activists like King, who were using civil disobedience, boycotts, and mass demonstrations to achieve their means. Bundy was also funding such black power advocates as Floyd McKissick, the young national director of the Congress of Racial Equality. After after taking over CORE in 1966, McKissick led the organization to the left. He began speaking about revolution, the revolution to come. And in July 67, CORE amended its constitution to delete the word multiracial from its social agenda. Two weeks later, Bundy announced a Ford grant of $175,000 to CORE's chapter in Cleveland, where riots had erupted the previous summer. A foundation officer explained that the grant would demonstrate that a militant organization can work within the system. Sure, why not? (laughs) (laughs) now doesn't this make a lot more sense what we're presenting here as far as the appearance of this uh these these movements and their and their overwhelming influence insofar as that they're uh they have the uh the resources pumped into them by way of these tax exempt foundations and these social engineers both it, sides it, both sides and it, it you know so we're reading this material that basically backs this up it's not just our opinion it's not a conspiracy theory it's and a, see 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 here here's the thing is just like politics you know whether you're watching you know it's like let's like we were saying when we did our election analysis it's like Donald Trump says a lot of things that I would technically agree with, right? Uh, yes. Technically speaking, yeah. Um, did I believe that he was going to do any of those things? No, I didn't. Has he done any of those things? No, he hasn't. Um, so um, he's an actor. 
And but there are always going to be people and organizations who are going to stand for something. And unless you know the people who run the organization personally and are involved in their personal lives, that's probably the only organization that you could probably join. And even then you might want to be suspicious <laughs> because yeah. Because even if a group is saying something like I could, I could, like I was saying, you could agree with ninety-eight percent of the material that's in this red film movie, but why now? Why all of a sudden now? Why all of a sudden the same time as all of these other movements are being, you know, um, you know, to use the analogy, the baseball bat to the hornet's nest? Um, why all of a sudden this movie at this time with all of these other movements firing up to add flame and opposition to the feminist movement, which is, I mean, it, I'm going to be honest. I think that the feminist movement is kind of, it, it's going to peter itself out. It's so overexposed. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's like how much longer can it go on before, um, those those type of things. I mean, I th- I think um, you know I think Nino back back me up on this back when we were doing a lot of the punk rock research that that um, that twigged off into the world of the uh, spectacle, you know, the Guy Debar type spectacle, hmm. and that is that when you're speaking of, of this um, this formula that communists use like the what they call the praxis it is perpetual revolution but yet never having the revolution manifest itself yes right right and that that in and of itself is Freemasonic, the you know the Freemasonic perpetual revolution, the Thomas Jefferson quote of the tree of liberty must be watered with the blood of patriots and tyrants alike, or whatever it says, um, from time to time be watered, right? Or so order out of order out of chaos, order out of chaos as well. These are all tenets of revolutionary, you know. Freemasonry and you know Jesuits and any any revolutionary organization, um, uh, no matter what you know, no matter what label it falls under, um, uh, we, we better make sure we get you know revolutionary Jews in there too, or somebody might get angry. Um, Got to make sure get mention that. Yes. Um, um, so, anyways, the. Uh, Whatever revolutionary group. See, that's the thing is we've been raised in a country where we're supposed to identify with good revolution and bad revolution. I'm going to make the statement right now. All revolution's bad. Yes. Doesn't suit, doesn't serve the individual average person. Never no, has. Never does. Never in any case in history it never it never did never yeah. did find an example where one was beneficial 
No, I, I, I wouldn't be absolutist about it. I would say there maybe it's like in some uh, third world countries. I've heard of different. Uh, well, for instance, I was just reading about there was. Uh, I believe it took place in uh, India or somewhere, or some third world country, and it was. Um, they, there was an uprising against uh, attacks on street vendors, and um, there was riots. There was extended protest demonstrations that kind of, uh, they say, sort of spontaneously erupted out of this one man setting himself on fire in protest. And uh, that caused them to kind of back off for a, probably for a bit, and then, you know, they'll re-phase back in whatever programs they were that was pissing people off and you know bring it back in it another thing too that's common is that um, you can see something uh, be sort of pulled back and then reintroduced under a different name like a lot of the stuff we're looking at now with this uh, it, people recognize it as cultural Marxism but it's just it, it's just was uh, introduced it was this has been around for a long time by the way but um you just you know pull pull it back out reintroduce it under a different name just call it something different there's a one that you know the well-known instances of the uh the pal the uh paramilitary group of the blackwater the uh private contractor organization military and then they changed their name to z so they just, you mm -hmm. know, and they're still operating. They're still under and tied in with, um, what is it, the uh, sec security, private security and all that. That's still going. Never missed a beat, but they just changed the name and just keep rolling mm -hmm. forward to the same same program. Yeah, that was the same thing with Halliburton. Didn't Halliburton change its name after, you know, they, I think Halliburton was a red herring all along that kind of. Yeah, it's like Burj Cade. It's like the presidency too. You know, you have the president come come aboard. It's like uh, Alex Jones gave a good um, analogy for this. It's like Bird Cage Liner. You just you know you bring mm -hmm. it out. People get pissed off, and then they pull. You know, it's like oh, well, we have an election coming up. We'll vote the bum out and get a, get a new guy in there. So, with with this red pill movie movie and this men's rights movement. It was interesting um, that, you know, initially when, when they're getting into this movie, they're, you know, this lady making this movie, who's an actress, interestingly enough, I just want to point that out. Um, right. She could have been acting the whole movie. I don't know. Um, uh, there is a lot of scenes where she's uh, sort of crying. She's getting all emotional. She's doing her video blog. She puts segments of that in there. Interesting. And, and the whole time I was watching that, all I could think about was that she was an actress. Yeah, very attractive, and that that's sort of a sort of a red flag. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mm -hmm. prove anything, but it, so it, it's sort of this um, uh, emotional appeal. Of course, any documentary too is going to have the uh, sort of the dramatic music playing lightly in the in the background yeah so it's, it's yeah so all those and, elements are and, there and and so when she's interviewing these uh pro-feminists you know um men and 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 women 
uh, one one of the professors or something she's interviewing makes the connection with the you know it, it, it's funny too because um, it's in, it's interesting how this is kind of structured and. What am I trying to say? Okay, I, I already know personally that when it comes to this manufactured stuff, it's the left-wing stuff is less cerebral. It's it's more sloganeering. I mean, that's the communist stuff. The communist stuff is, is you know, it's like I was saying on one of the past calls. If you try to read Marx and Engels, and you know a little bit about how economics works. They're a, it's a bunch of BS. They're make they're they're making like um, like one of the one of the main one of their main tenets. I'm just giving this as an example, digressing really quickly. Is they put the emphasis on labor having all the power? Okay. Right. The problem is that's not really how it works in this economic system. Labor has none of the power because you could get fired and they could just say, all right, all 20 of you people who banded together and wanted to make a difference in this workplace, you were betting on the fact that I wasn't going to fire you, but I just did. You're all out of a job. I'm going to go hire 20 new people. Okay? Or 20 new robots nowadays. Or whatever. Yeah, and or whatever, and and so labor has zero power. Maybe in some instances, somebody might work for somebody, and there's, you know, fifty people who work there, and they do a specific job that people wouldn't be able to get through the day without having those people there, and they all get together and say, "Listen, you know, you're going to give us a pay raise, or or we're going to walk." And maybe in those particular instances, but that doesn't necessarily mean, economically speaking, that labor has all the power. It doesn't. Well, anyways, uh, a lot of this stuff is written to, you know, saying that's fact that labor has all the power. Um, the way a lot of this left-wing stuff is written is along those lines, and it's very shallow. And a lot of these statements that these people are making is pretty shallow as well. They just, like, they do – they can't even help themselves. They've been programmed to do this so long to where – uh, she's asking, oh, have you ever heard of the men's rights movement? And they'll just say, oh, yes, that's all a bunch of misogynistic pigs who are white, you know, white nationalists and they hate women. Mm -hmm. right? right. Yeah. And they're aligned with Trump, the, the yeah. ultimate evil. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so that's a hilarious aspect of it. Even the lady who who is an obvious intelligence agent, the, uh, head of the head of Miss magazine. Um, Oh, Oh yeah. Oh, but yeah. Well, the bit, anything <laughs> on that. <laughs> now, now think about this too. This, this, this just occurs to me now. I, I believe this red pill documentary had been in the works pre election. Now think about that. Oh, that's a great point. I never even thought about that, but yeah, you're absolutely right. So this huh. will be just one more example of how the I, and when I say the me, the media sphere, I mean just everything that comes out—documentaries, television everything. shows, movies, 
And how many of them now have been in the hopper, have been in the works, reflect these same themes? You could probably, that would be a good case study or a good blog article to, to put together just to point out a whole bunch of different examples. Yeah, that, that's a great point. It's it's all coalescing just, just uh, you know, perfectly, perfect storm here. Yeah, um, just all just kind of mention everybody's sort of coordinated, unified mind, and um, which definitely is there is a component to it that is that comes about as a result of people res- responding or reacting to what's out there. I, I'm not yeah. refuting that, but I'm, I'm talking about the stuff that's coming from the, that's, the top down. Yeah, and so when when we read a book that was written in 1982. And, you know, let's go back to the turning point here. And he's talking about this stuff manifesting itself. Um, and then we read a book like The Color of Truth where they're, they're saying, yes, we are providing the money for these movements. And then we can look at something objectively and say, OK, this movie just happened to come out at this time. This men's rights movement kind of starts up as kind of the control. You know, and I'll say it speculatively, but um, it just comes on as controlled opposition. It's kind of a counterbalance because they know that there's going to be inconsistencies with whatever it is they're pushing. Because when you're pushing something like the total destruction of the male and the female, there is going to be people who are going to question those aspects and what they're going to do is they're going to provide you the way and with all the answers of how to do it. It's like, well, yeah, yes. there's a women's rights with, – with a women's rights movement, we need to start a men's rights movement to counter it. Yes. Um, and, and now what do you have? Do, you know, you have more divide. Even if these people all claim like, oh, we're, we're – you know, feminists always – you know, claim that we're working for the betterment of females and the men's rights movement talk about how, you know, making better men is going to make better females, this type of stuff. But it's it's further division and and it's put into the formula that Chris has talked about so often of, hey, the way that you protest something is you get a bunch of signs and you march around in a circle, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And this is more of that. This is kind of more of that stuff where – now I'm going to go see this movie and then I'm going to go find, you know, the men's rights uh, blogs and I'm going to, you know, give them some money or I'm going to, you know, go to their next meeting. This is another funny thing that th- this made me think of it. You know, the movie starts out where these guys are all meeting in this park and then like the prote- the anti-men's rights activists show up to protest them meeting in the park. And they're right, and then they're organized and have signs, and they just pop up. Kind of, they kind of just materialize to protest. <laughs> Why would you? It, I don't like, know. like you don't know when you're when you're organizing your little meeting that there's going to be these people who are going to come and protest you doing this. Okay, let's say this is uh, spontaneously <laughs> arising. It doesn't make any sense. Like, okay, let's say, oh, we, we got. How does this occur in people's minds? How do they think this this uh, unfolds? Where it's just, oh, hey, 
hey, uh, John, uh, you know, I call you up and say, let's say we live in the same general area. We got to go down there and protest them. We got the we got the fascists down there in the park. And then so what do we have, like a whole crew of people that we can, like, call up and activate to go down and, like, protest something or how is this supposed to work? organically or grassroots that's what i want and yeah and the other thing is is if these guys didn't want the protesters why meet in the park because i mean are they doing it because they want to you know shoot i mean aren't we past the time you know collectively speaking here where like you need to go down to the park there and show yourself in force and um I mean, I mean, pe- people need to think about this stuff. Like, if you're going to join these organizations, it's like, no, we're going to go march through the streets to let everybody know that we exist, right? Yeah, a show of force, sort of like, oh, and, we're out here in numbers. And, yeah. And it's funny, too, because if you see this meeting, I mean, there's literally like 14 people there or something. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like very insignificant. It's like you guys could have held this at the local Elks Lodge or something. Um, yeah, or over at uh, Danny's or something. Yeah, you could. Yeah, it's like <laughs> coffee you could, and you got you get pancake if you want. Yeah, that'd be. I mean, yeah, why go to a big public yeah, park can, or something? That's nonsense. Yeah, you can rent rent out the, you know, rent out the big room at Black Angus or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, they got a good. Uh, Oriental salad there. They got a good man-sized portions, right? That's that, that would be a very manly <laughs> place to have. Remember those commercials with that guy? Remember those? Uh, Black Angus. Oh, kind of yeah. yeah, vaguely. Remember the guy? They would have this guy, and he he'd be like, "Get over to Black Angus. They've got a fifty. They've got a fifty-ounce ribeye, only twenty-nine, twenty dollars and ninety-nine cents. Get a huge potato with butter." Right. <laughs> and he's like this cowboy. And then he like reaches into a lake and pulls a he pulls like a catfish out with his bare hands. <laughs> no, I haven't seen that. That's great. You never seen yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's all he's all. What, what, what did he say? He'd say. He's all, no, there ain't no sissy portions at this steakhouse. And he reaches into the river and pulls out a fish and starts. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be yeah that would be perfect you know yeah have the really, men's right meeting really at black angus that would be the really, next yeah really manly oh yeah there's there was another commercial where they show him and he's like you know out on the range and he's like he's like shaving with with like a knife <laughs> <laughs> like a like a regular knife and he's like this is so funny the, Is that be considered politically incorrect now? I don't know. It would. It would. It would. It would. You know. Um, well, the one I saw on this subject, family. There was um, people were pointing out how uh, it was like some paper towel, and so they always marketed it with the with the dude with the uh, brawny brawny yeah with the uh he's got a plaid shirt he's a he's a lumberjack he's got an axe on the you know 
it, 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 so it's always tough. Like a man, it's like no, they had to, they had to change it to make it. To, I think they changed the packaging where they put a. Now they have them with woman with a woman on the on the packaging, and it's always Wrong. been the brawny man. That's For always been their trademark. I I think so. Yeah. See, see, here's here's the interesting thing about how all this stuff kind of plays out is. First of all, we enter into these weird realms. So they're turning things on their head that have a faulty foundation to begin with. Okay. If you just think about the idea of of um, paper towels being sold to you on the foundation of that lumberjacks are tough guys and that this paper towel is tough as a lumberjack. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's never anything really spoken about that. What you just said, you know, Oh, this guy's a lumberjack, but through the, through the imagery and the symbolism involved with it, this product gets sold as being a tough paper towel. That's not going to rip. Right. That's right. Yeah. But it has nothing to do with men and 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 how strong men are at all. But the only thing that does have to do with it is the symbolism and the archetypes that we're kind of born with and, and inherently know. You see? Right. And and so so what what this does is it, it doesn't have anything to do with oh all the norm you know my TV and all my products and all all this type of stuff they're turning this stuff on my on its head oh you know you're not allowed to I don't even know I mean what next Mr. Clean is isn't going to be um you know you're not going to allow to be allowed to say Mr. Clean you're going to have to say uh you know Z Clean right <laughs> um uh, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. As as if any of that stuff even matters. What they're doing is within your, within your um, your materialistic manufactured bubble, they're changing all of the products and the stuff. You know, your TV and your movies. It's all being manufactured within the material realm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's through the material that they change it. You know, you go to the store to buy some jeans and you notice, hey, man, these jeans that are in the guys section, they're like the girls jeans. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, I haven't bought jeans in a while. Is that true? They've changed the cut of jeans. I yeah. Yeah. For a long time now. Um. Yeah, for I mean, and and guys like them that way too. Um, uh, but the the reason, so it's it's all being able to be manufactured within the material realm, and all of the imagery and the ideas, those are all going to be changed. But but once again, we come back to the fact that you cannot you um, when it comes, it's it's like with with what we've talked about with AI, the only way this is going to happen is you're going to have to be able to trick people. People are going to have to be hypnotized through magic to actually believe that women can be men and men can be women. 
it's not going to be something. What was this quote I heard last night? Um, I was watching something and what did they say? That quote is a great quote said in a, in a, in a world of fantasy and you, you can't find anything real when you live in a fantasy world. Mm-hmm. Well, and even, yeah. that's, that sound, that sounds simplistic, but I was like, wow, I've never even, that, that's like so simplistic. I've never actually even thought of that. That's like a great thing to tell people. If you're living in a fantasy world, you will find nothing real. Yeah, you can. Uh, well, like I was going on on about on the last call last Monday about uh, evolution. And one thing when you get into debates with people about Darwinism and evolution and stuff like that, you'll also you, you often get this um, response that, uh, oh, you know, telling me that, oh, you don't understand evolution. You know, you don't you don't understand it. And it's like. Well, actually, the opposite is true. And most people who believe in it don't understand it insofar as its implications. What are its, what are its implications? And, it, it, and, and one of the implications of, of Darwinism, which is totally uh, – it's total fantasy. It's, it's, it's made-up nonsense, is that uh, everything is in flux. So, you know, like the paleo diet, people will um, – like you hear people advocating for it, and they're very uh, strong proponent of evolution, and that's kind of like why we need to stay paleo because our, you know, our our hunter gatherer forebears, this is the way they ate, and it's like, dude, you don't understand evolution. We're evolving. We can evolve new enzymes to digest all this bull crap that's in food because we're evolving. Don't you understand? It's like, yeah, it may result in people dying off for a period, but the survivors are going to pass their enzymes on so that eventually you can um, digest uh, whatever it is. Eventually, eventually we won't like people won't eat protein anymore. Like high fructose corn syrup is going to be the, the new protein of the future. <laughs> Why like, not? We'll you see, because, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, the yeah that that's i mean that's the thing all of this stuff is going to take place you you know who does a great job of articulating this and i i would uh do a plug here for aaron franz's book oh yeah yeah his uh book um the revolve revolve the the rise what does it say um it's on my shelf here revolve man's scientific rise to godhood and uh, yeah, his book actually does a good job of articulating how this is all going to work. It's basically all going to take place within a fake world, and you're just you have to believe in the fantasy for it to for it to exist. That's the only. That's really the only way it's all going to work. So I mean, um. I'll give an example, a self-depreciating example. You know, when I was younger, when I was in, you know, high school, right out of high school, I was into rockabilly music. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I used to put the pomade in my hair and, you know, dress up like a greaser from the 1950s, right? Right. 
Yeah, I'm but, familiar with that because I was into that a while too. I didn't really dress right. up too much, but uh, I was in. It, I, I liked the music a lot. Would go to the shows. Of course. Yeah, I, yeah and we, we still like the music. I don't dress like that anymore, but I'm not not a youngster anymore. And I know that 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 style is kind of popular again now. Um. Uh. But just. There, you know, there came came a point in time where I was like, okay, I'm not going to do this. You know, I'm not going to do this anymore. Um, but see, I didn't walk around. You know, when this was, you know, 1993 or 1994, whenever it was that I first started doing that, I didn't have the illusion that I was actually living in the 1950s. Have you met people that? really carry it out to the extreme where they're yes oh, of course yeah. of course yeah. i have which is pretty funny have. but but yeah. see even if i even if i did do that like you know i've got a piece of atomic furniture sitting across from me here in the living room but i'm quite aware that it's 2017 outside my window regardless of the fact that i have atomic furniture in my um living room so mm-hmm. um so, but see, this is what people do: is they surround themselves with whatever it is that they want their reality to be, and then they convince themselves that that is their reality, and that that's a real reality, right? And it sort of becomes a reality in one on it one does. level. It, it it actually, I'd say, in the true word of what of what true magic is, not magic in the sense of. Oh yes, I'm you know, I'm conjuring up demons and talking to spirits or magic in the sense of, you know, Doug Henning or something like that. It's, um, it's it's the real magic. It's to convince people that something is real when it's not. Yeah, I, I've I talked about before. I was railing against uh, veganism and all of that. Just on the the, the essential principle is like, okay, you want to go into a debate about this subject. You need to define your terms. You need to define what a human being is. And I was making the point that well, human beings are distinct from the animal kingdom in that um, we we have uh, the creative drive. We can make worlds. We can imagine worlds. We can make. It's like that. Animals can't do that. And, um, it, you know, here's, you know, you go into all these, you know, philosophical debates with people that are you know, like animal rights now is kind of becoming is being heavily pushed. That's another component of this because it doesn't, you, you know, with with evolution theory, which is kind of like the underpinning, it's kind of the uh, uh, the, the 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 religion that kind of gl- is sort of the glue to all these different philosophies like feminism and, and transhumanism and um uh, transsexuals and all this is that um, it, it 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 exists outside of observable reality and by ne- by necessity. So if you get into a debate with somebody about uh, veganism or something like that, it's like you're you're not going to get anything that's coherent or logically sound or consistent. Because it doesn't need to be. You're, you're, um, again, you know, modernity, postmodernism, and all that is like you, you abandon all those things because there are no standards. And I think that's an that's an important thing to bring up when uh, talking about a subject of feminism and all of that, because it 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 is in direct opposition to um, 
uh, they say they call it traditionalism. Well, traditionalism in what in what sense of traditionalism? What exactly are they talking about? Maybe they're they're hearkening back to the nuclear family in the fifties and stuff like that. But it's like the, the, then it then it sort of you, you can arbitrarily set a frame or something to be a pushboard off against these ideas. But it's like that's not even true. That's that was a construct as well. The nuclear family and all that. It was just a stepping stone to get to to get where we are now. Yeah, it's it's this you know same thing that we've talked about in the past, like a gold standard. We got to get back to the gold standard. It was so good back then. Um, no, <laughs> yeah. that was a stepping stone of prosper of manufactured prosperity, which I would recommend. You know, um, I'm doing a bit of research uh, to do an HBC special report, and I was actually listening to. I had to re-listen to some information that we put out in a call. Um, uh, the uh, the impact of aerospace on society. And, oh yes, um, mm-hmm. that's a, that's actually a really good call. Both you know, both you and I make great points in that. I think so. Um, I think people should go back and check that out if you had haven't. But um, anyways, um, yeah, we kind of go over. Uh, in, in that talk, you can kind of overlay that with what we're talking about today as to how uh, just seemingly minute cultural changes uh, can bring about great cultural shift um, as a result of manufactured prosperity. And, um, and so if you want to get my point, just go back and listen to that episode. But but let me let me end let me kind of uh, put a bookend on our talk here because I'm pretty sure my, my children are going to wake up um, from their nap. Um, let me read this last part of this, uh, the passage to the solar age, the new vision of reality. This is the chapter that I was just reading from in The Turning Point um, by Fritoff Capra. And... Um, He says, such predictions may seem rather idealistic, especially in view of the current political swing to the right in the United States. Now, he's talking about Ronald Reagan, but this could easily apply to today, right? Right. Um, The political swing to the right in the United States and the crusades of the Christian fundamentalists promoting medieval notions of reality. But when we look at the situation from a broad evolutionary perspective, these phenomena become understandable as inevitable aspects of cultural transformation. Inevitable aspects of cultural transformation. And why exactly? Yeah, why? (laughs) In the regular pattern of rise, culmination, decline, and disintegration, which seems to be characteristic of cultural evolution, the decline occurs when a culture has become too rigid in its technologies, ideas, or social organization to meet the challenge or challenge to meet the challenge of changing conditions. Of course, he doesn't explain why they change. Right. The loss of flexibility is accompanied by a general loss of harmony, leading to the outbreak of social discord and disruption, especially if you've got bags of CIA money funding you. Hmm. Um, Help. During the process, <laughs> yeah, during the process of decline and and deintegration, the dominant social institutions are still imposing their outdated views but are gradually disintegrating while the new creative minorities face the new challenges with ingenuity and rising confidence. Let me read that again. 
during the process of decline and disintegration, the dominant social institutions are still imposing their outdated views but are gradually disintegrating while new creative minorities face the new challenges with ingenuity and rising confidence. Now, that right there, if you don't understand how controlled opposition works, he's telling you that they know how controlled opposition works. Yes. And um, based on what we've talked about in the past, I would I would have thought that we would have uh, been able to predict what the outcome of the presidential race would have been. But hindsight is twenty twenty, as they say, the old saying. Uh, so it's it's, it's perfect. It's, it's perfect at, to bring this uh, uh, so-called administration in. And to because uh, you have to understand the uh, the dialectic, the controlled opposition, the the see because another thing to point out too is like uh, you know to reemphasize this, it's always worth repeating is that government is is um, is, is an abstraction. It's, it doesn't exist. It's it's a mental. It's a it, it's a it's a construct that is um, it, it's based on psychology and. Um, well, well, real quick, can I just interject here? Remember earlier in the chapter he talks about how men are going to stay at home and raise their kids? Yes. Okay. He doesn't explain that that would be some sort of economic factor that would that would come about as a result of the feminists, you know, the females all of a sudden getting a job preference, right? Which I'm not kidding, man. I walked into this department store yesterday. Mm-hmm. I had to go return something that somebody gave my son for his uh, birthday. There wasn't a dude in the place. No, even in the men's, even in the men's section. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I now I'm not saying that that's reflective of the current state. Like I'm just using that as an example. That even in even um, growing up, I'm sure when you went to go get, you know, I remember you go, you go get pants fitted there, you know, or something like that. There was a guy there. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm saying that's a reflection of the changing times. Not necessarily. I'm not trying to make a point like, oh, you see, that means women run the show, and that means, uh, you know, the man's being taken advantage of. No, I'm saying that's a reflection of the times, of of what people will accept. It's like, it's like, let's say I walked over there and I said, well, you know what? Actually, I don't want a woman to help, help me. I would rather have a man help me. You know, is there a man here? Well, what are you, a sexist? It's like, no, I would just, you know, man would know more about the kind of inseam that I'm talking about. Yeah. The, uh, you know, or diamond gusset in the crotch or something. Diamond, diamond gusset. Hey, I think the guy from Black Angus did those diamond gusset commercials. Oh yeah, that's what maybe think. <laughs> Same guy, diamond gusset jeans. On your way to Black Angus, pick up a pair of diamond gussets. It's <laughs> pretty manly, I'd say. Jeez. Yeah, with an AR-15 on the back. Dang. Yeah. With a yeah, in your gun rack on the back of your. Going to a going going to a men's rights rally. In your jacks. Four by four. I have to say, um, I have to say though, 
the men's rights rally made me kind of feel weak as a man. Yeah, if that's the representation of, yeah, it kind of makes it kind of a, a little bit embarrassed. And I, I, I found I found a, a a couple of those guys to be kind of like lispy and limp-wristed. Yeah, right. And then what? Okay, we were talking about this before. The last names. Go go into that. <laughs> Did you go look at them again? I. There was like one. Okay, so I was looking for. Uh, so I was paying attention to that. I kind of briefly watched some, re- reviewed it, and uh, th- another guy was uh, Harry Crouch. Harry Crouch. Harry I was like, Crouch. Hey. It's like I know. Harry Crouch. I was like, another guy was what Elam, which is male backwards. Now he was like the uh, sort of central guy. He's the head guy. Elam. And then Last the, name. the other guy is like Dave Manday, like the man. Manday. How's it spelled? M A N T H E? Manday. It's M A N T H E Y. T H E A Y. Okay. This is bizarre. Yeah, and and these they, I mean, it's like it's like it's it's like if it's like if your last name was Hoaxbusters, <laughs> Buster. <laughs> Buster. My name just happens to be Chris Hoaxbuster, and I have a website called Hoaxbusters Call. <laughs> well, that guy's and been then, around. The Elam guy's been around. I know he has for some time. He's been and then he start out as a fem. Then he start out as a women's rights uh, proponent. They was talking about that. Yeah, either him or one of the other dudes did. But yeah. Yeah. Oh no, that was uh that was um Warren Farrell. Warren Farrell's the famous guy, the the myth of male power. So Farrell is another name too, which means like wild or <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> it's ice cream parlor, doesn't it? Yeah. But um I think it, yeah. And it's Donald it Trump me. only eats steak and ice cream. Is that so, is that true? No. But yeah, you're right. Warren Farrell, he's fair, like a feral, you know, wild man. He's wild man. Interesting oh, names, yeah. Yeah, uh, those those ones definitely stuck out. But it was it was it's just funny because the um, uh, like like we said, it it was um. There, there's certain. There were certain things within it. While they were advocating for you know these men's rights, that kind of put that what what they were doing is they were painting men as in a very weak light. Well, yeah, like in a way, it was like it 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 was like um, uh, sort of, you know, kind of focusing on these certain issues like the courts and all that and like. Um, as a man, you're looking at it and thinking, yeah, men have like zero power in the system, which is actually is true. But it's like nobody else does either. Women don't either. Exactly. It's yeah. And, and that, that's the, the other thing was the way that they presented it. I mean, you know, God forbid, knock on wood, anything would ever happen with my marriage or my children or anything like that. And I would just, I would just absolutely be devastated if something like those guys, those stories were presented. But, you know, that's kind of the thing that 
you have to recognize that they're trying to convey to you is these terrible stories. You know, it's funny because I'm, I'm, I'm looking, you know, this research I'm doing for this HBC report on the, um, on the Christian fundamentalist stuff from the sixties. Um, some of these books that I'm reading, like, uh, one of them, the late great planet earth or the revolution now by Bill Bright, they start off all the same way. It's the and all of the John Birch Society stuff does this too. Is they present you with like the the world that you live in, and it's just like the worst. It's just the war. I mean, just everything's completely and terrible. Terrible. It's bad. It's horrible. You know, volcanoes erupting. There's earthquakes. There's lightning striking. You know, women yeah. and children. Women and children and men are dying. There's cancer. There's the. You know, Alex Jones is a master of this. He'd start he'd start start out a show and he'd whip you up into a frenzy, you know. He'd, he'd be like, "Folks, I can't even believe what's going on right now, folks. There's volcanoes erupting in 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 places that there's never been volcanoes before. There's you know, I mean, folks, California might actually like break off and float out into the ocean, folks. I'm not kidding. Okay, there's earthquakes happening. I mean, this might be the end times. I'm 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 not kidding. And so that's kind of what this movie does is it, it like it bombards you with all these terrible stories mm-hmm. and then it presents you with the solution. And that is, you know, organize, go to organize into a men's rights, uh, organization, right? Support the causes, donate money and, uh, feed the coffers of these organizations. And, um, yeah, give your energy to the movement which is revolution, right? We talked about that before. That was yeah, good. but but see, another thing is is like for this for for Capra here to talk about um, talk about men, you know, staying home to raise their children. First of all, I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all. I'm saying you know that's actually something we should do anyways. Okay. Mm-hmm. The way, but see that in and of itself is weaponized against a previous culture. Okay, now that culture may be bad. I may not agree with the idea of the eight, ten, twelve, fourteen-hour workday, to where a man can't come home and where he sees his kids for two hours. Okay, I may, I may not agree with that, but presently that's the thing that people are adapted to, and then. They have now decided that 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 they're going to pull the rug out from underneath that and present you with the new culture, which is a weak man who has been who's been brought up to think that a job is the be all and end all of everything, and now he's going to stay home and be viewed as some sort of weak, limp-wristed guy, and he's going to change the diapers because that's been presented as to you know like the doofus guy, you know the doofus man who gets bossed around by his wife. Yeah, as the uh, new normal, and it's all in response to making right a wrong, which was the uh, oppression of women throughout the decades in our modern society. Uh, Something I guess they're saying has been overlooked, and then there's this something that is always oft repeated is that women make less than men and 
and the question in my that always occurs to me is like, okay, so is this all legal? So you can I can hire, let's say I'm going to hire out a job, and then I could pay a a seventy five percent to the to any female that comes to work for me. And that's totally legal, or is that or is that allowed? I, I, I didn't think that well, was allowed. Also, also the movie is is framed within the feminist perspective because the way that they're framing it is like, okay, this is all good and great that women are you know in the workplace and they're you know they're um, empowered. You know, they're empowered by going and you know making tax money for the government to steal from you. Right. Well, in okay, so that is a legitimate a point in the context of our the way things have developed. Where and is that you had the sexual revolution, like so you got to tie all this stuff in as a kind of linear progression back through these revolutions, which one of the uh, so-called sexual revolution and the hippie movement and the stuff, the free love, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and the breakdown of the family, and then you have the the the. The breakdown of the family and then all these um, consequences arise from that, which was a high divorce rate. And then that makes um, conditions that are unsuitable for women because they have an uncertain future. They don't have any kind of a career or anything to fall back on. And so then you have the Gloria Steinem coming in and the feminist movement saying, oh, we need to get women empowered. They need careers. And so you have this absurdist situation where... Um, uh, housework is bad, but you can be empowered by going out to like um, Black Angus as a as, and work on the buffet line as a woman and wash dishes and shit there, and that's empowerment. Yeah. And then, but not being at home is that you're liberated because you're not at home working for a man, but you're working for a man at Black Angus, but that's okay. It's just yeah, absurd. It's, it's all from. Yeah, it's, and and now they've done further framing of it, and then I, I have to go right now because my my son just woke up. But um, the other framing of it is within the context of the feminists are saying like, like, well, yeah, we don't we don't we don't want to raise the kids. You, you guys are saying you guys want your children in court. Good, you can have them because we're not biologically connected. To, like it's it's all like whacked out nut job stuff where it's like, well, yeah, the woman doesn't have a biological connection to the child you've heard that right well yeah i'm sure that's being proposed right yeah the, remember that red-headed lady was saying that in the movie yes uh-huh she was, and she was she was completely out of her mind gone like nuts and and another person who was saying that exact same thing was that other whack job that was on tucker carlson when they were talking about breastfeeding and and her argument was, well, you're you're supposing that it's the woman's job to feed the baby just because they make breast milk, <laughs> right? So there's formula. So um, so why if, if there's formula, why should the wife you know feed the, feed the child? Yes. So then again, it reinforces all these artificial uh, formulas and all this other stuff, which, which is evolution. Which is it? Which yeah. Which now, if the baby has issues where they don't develop properly, just give it time. You know, in a few hundred thousand years, they'll adapt to the formula, and it'll be the healthiest thing in the world. Evolution. Absolutely. Well, speaking of that, I'm gonna go uh, feed the baby. All right, man.
Cool. <laughs> Change some diapers. All right. <laughs> All right. Take Talk care. to you later. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.